This morning, I want you to join with me in a declaration uh, of a scripture, a verse coming out of the Holy Scriptures, and we're going to put it on the screen for you here. And I want you, if you will, to just read this out loud with me. Say it with me. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The word walk is a verb. How many know what a verb is? What's a verb? Action. This is a chosen action, and the verb tense in the original language is meaning a habitual, a continuous action. It is also, the way the word is written is what we call a locative verb, meaning a location. It is a sphere. So what Paul the Apostle is saying to them and to us today is, I want you to have a chosen action that is within a wonderful sphere of the Spirit, within the sphere of the Spirit that created you. Now, as I think about that, what does that look like? I think if we could take that sphere and we could put it into a song, it would be something like the song we're about to sing, so I'm going to invite the band to be ready, and I'm going to invite you to stand. And as we're singing this, I want you, that's all of you, stand. Some of you have to put your shoes back on, don't you? <laughs> so I want you to sing with us, and as we do, I want you to understand that this would represent the sphere in which we walk when it says walk within the sphere of the Holy Spirit. saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up, turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground.
So that is the atmosphere. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, I think about the messes that I've made and somebody had to rescue me. How he raised me, how he filled me with this incredible spirit. And he healed me to the uttermost. So I endeavor to live in that, that sphere, but I've got to tell you that there is this warfare that goes on. There's this, this, this thing in us that pulls us away from that. And, and Paul described it this way. He said, it is to gratify the desires of the flesh. It means that there is within us this sometimes momentum, this drive, this passion to do what Paul, and he used the phrase in the first century, to follow the flesh. His description of the flesh are those things that break down the grace of God. Those things that destroy the life that God has placed on this earth for us to enjoy. It's the evil that is inside of us at times that just seems to come out and we say, where did that come from? It is, it is that, that part of us that offends God and we know we've offended him. It's that part of life that, that we involve it, ourselves in that, that begin to destroy the health inside of us. I was with one of the leaders of the church this, this last week and we were at a restaurant and this wonderful waitress was waiting on us and she was doing a great job and when she got ready to hand us the check, I noticed that she had some ink on her, on her wrists and she had tattoos and it said strength and courage and I said, well, tell me about that. And she said, I've been an addict and I'm clean. And, and she told us about struggling and having to go to facility twice just to try to, to get over this thing. She said, I, I said, how long have you been clean? She said, about a, about a year and a half. And I said, how old are you? And she's in her early 20s. And, and so she talked about just the people that she's surrounding herself with and what she's doing. And so I just asked her this question. I said, what do you do to build up the inside of you, the spiritual side of you? And she said, well, I'm not very religious. I said, well, neither are we. And she said, I, you know, I, I, and, she, and she had some great answers. And I said, can I, can I encourage you to do this one thing? If you want to finish what you've started and really be good at, at being the person you want to be, can I invite you to, to read the teachings of Jesus and see how he said that you could live life? I said, do you have anybody that could help you do that? She said, no. I said, I've got a bunch of friends that know how to do that. And if you, and, and I said, this is on the up and up, give me your name and number, and, and I'll have somebody call you, and they're going to hang out with you. She may even be here this morning because I invited her. If you're here, I'm just glad you're here. Because we're all on this journey of discovering how Jesus said we could live life. See, that whole thing of following the teachings of Jesus is to actually walk in the sphere of Jesus' spirit. And to follow that leading. Because, because what happens is, when we walk in the sphere of that spirit, that sphere of the spirit counteracts this drive to be destructful, this, this, this drive to, to destroy what is around us and shows us how not to do that and actually to overcome that. The thing about the Holy Spirit is this, that it, he is not some perpetual motion automatic machine. He's just not gonna, hey, I'm a Christian and it's all gonna be cool and I'm gonna be just really good at this. It's not the deal. The deal is this, that he is a person waiting to be depended on and cooperated with. That's why we've been praying these last weeks to the Holy Spirit, I'm available. Whatever you want to do in here, 
I'm available. And the unique thing about it is he's healing us up in here. He then begins to walk through us, to talk through us, so that we help heal other people who are finding some destructive patterns in their life. That is why Paul and Barnabas, and we talked about this last week, and John Mark said, I'm available. And God said, okay, I want you to go to new parts of the world where they haven't heard about me, where you can help heal their brokenness. And so they begin this journey. They leave Antioch. And they head off into Cyprus. Now, and you, you see the map there. Cyprus is the island. And so they start in Cyprus. And the reason they start in Cyprus is because that is Barnabas' home. That's where he lived. And I think there are those moments when God says to us, I, I need you to do something. You say, I'm available. He says, I want to start at your home. I want to start where you are. And so they end up there in Cyprus. And they end up in a place called Paphos. And I think... In my imagination, I just see these guys walking in the sphere of the Spirit, and if they could be singing it, they would be singing, When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, and it's just exuding out of them. So what happens is while they're there doing this, there is this confrontation. Acts 13 describes it this way. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos, and there they met a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, which means son of Jesus, who was attendant of the proconsul of the governor, governor, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Now understand that it was not by chance that when the early church decided to leave Jerusalem and go to places where Jesus had not yet been preached, that the first recorded encounter of opposition was a sorcerer. And when Paul and Barnabas and John Mark begin their journey in a new place, the first thing they encounter is a sorcerer. Now, Sergius Paulus is the governor of a senatorial province of Rome. He's a very important man and very intelligent. And he knows something stirring in the community, so he wants to know what it is. So he says, come tell me about the word of God you've been preaching in the synagogue. Magic and sorcery were officially banned in Judaism, although there were those who were still practicing it, and Elymas was one of those practicing it. So as they began to declare who Jesus is, he opposes them. We don't know what he did, but he opposes them. So let me tell you this, that if you're a true follower of Jesus, and how many are true followers of Jesus, okay? When we follow Jesus, we will be bullied. It's going to happen especially if we are passionate about sharing the story of Jesus. When Pam and I left college, we'd just gotten married, left college, to the first place we had never been before where we were going to proclaim who Jesus is in a community. I'm fresh out of, out of college, trying to figure out how to do this thing, how to, how to be a pastor, and we go, and in the, in the first, somewhere in the first two weeks, I get a phone call in my office, and they ask specifically for me, and so I answered the phone, and they said, are you Jack Reisner? I said, yes. Are you married to Pam? Yes. And then this horrible, guttural sound of a voice came out, and I recognized it as a demonic voice coming over the phone, and the hair in the back of my, my neck, and I had much more hair back then, really, really stood up. And this voice said, you will fail, and, and began to tell me how I was going to fail, and then the voice said this, and I will kill you and your wife. They never taught us about that in college. <laughs> there was no demon 101. 
So how do I deal with the spiritual force as I'm trying to walk in the Holy Spirit? How do I deal with the spiritual force that is intent on creating havoc in my life and in what I'm trying to accomplish? What do we do? When we walk by the Spirit, I'm going to tell you this, that we can be very courageous. That, that word courageous, the Latin root of that word is the word core, which means heart. The heart is where, it's the seat of, of our, our intellect. It's the seat of our emotion. Now, when we walk in the Spirit, Jesus said that the Spirit will be around you, so he's going to protect you. He said it will also be in you, which means he is going to stabilize your heart. When you walk in the Spirit, he says, I've got control of your emotions and your intellect. Yield to me and you'll be stabilized here. You, you can stand firm. And then not only that, but the Scripture says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, which I believe is this enlargement of the heart with an incredible power to achieve what needs to be done so that I'm not fearful, but instead I become offensive in the right manner of saying, here's what God wants to do so I can walk this way. In the early uh, or the late 1800s, early 1900s, there's this wonderful man who walked in the Holy Spirit named Smith Wigglesworth. And he has this great quote I want you to hear. He says this, the Holy Spirit wants us to clearly understand that we are a million times bigger than we know. Every Christian has no conception of what he is. My heart is so big that I want to look in your faces and tell you if you only knew what you had, your body would scarcely be able to contain you. Oh, that God would so bring us into divine attractiveness by his almightiness that all our bodies would wake up to resurrection force, to the divine inward flow of eternal power coursing through the human frame. See, our problem is this, that we've listened to the lies so long that say you're just barely going to make it. And Smith Wigglesworth was proof to say when, the, when you're walking in the spirit, you're going to blow the doors off. You're going to be able to do that. He said, I'm going to give you courage. It's going to change you. When Pam and I lived in, in Boise, Idaho, and our kids were very young at that time, we had some friends whose, and, and, and Dustin was in early grade school at that time, we had some friends whose son was a bully and he was bullying Dustin. And he was about, oh, he's bigger than Dustin and he was about two grades older than Dustin. And so we talked to the parents and, oh, it's not a big deal. And inside I'm going, to, I'm going to hit you, but I didn't. So we told Dustin, you know, you know, just do what you can. And, and so we had this barbecue at our house, and, they were, and the bully family were invited. And, and, and so they came, and, and it was toward the end of the barbecue, and most of the parents and adults were inside the house. And I looked out the window just to see the ending of one of those bully sessions. And this time was different than all the rest, because this time I watched as Dustin reached over and grabbed the guy in a headlock and started going, boom, 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 boom. Now, I'm against violence, but I got to tell you honestly, it took me for a while to get back outside. <laughs> the dishes needed to be done, and so. I'll tell you that that bully continued to bully only this time from a distance. When you walk in the Spirit, there will come this courage that you'll be able to take on the enemy. Because I, I watched Jesus, and, and Jesus would take on spiritual forces and confront them, and when he would confront them, they would continue to bully, but they would do it from a distance. 
And I think God wants us to understand that we can confront these forces and they will keep a distance. So here's what Paul did. Acts tells us, then Saul, who was also called Paul, which is his Gentile name, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and he said, you're a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind and for a time you'll be unable to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Now did you catch that? Paul filled with the Holy Spirit. See, we may sit here today and have different doctrinal views of the Holy Spirit and of baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. But I want to tell you that you will never dislodge an evil spirit or anything evil by a doctrine. I love the words of Jack Hayford who says, doctrinal precision is no substitute for the Holy Spirit's demonstration. If you want to know how to transform a tough culture, Paul said to the church in Corinth, and Corinth was a tough place, he said, I did not come to you. My preaching and, and teaching, my message were not with wise and persuasive words, but with what? A demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. For me to try to communicate the message of Jesus without power is only an argument that labels what I'm doing and what I believe, labels it as one of the options that we can get in our culture today. Because someone can argue another religion just as well as I can argue Christianity. But when I show up with the power of God and there is an experience that takes place, that is unparalleled. You can't compare anything to it. And that is why Paul said, what I want you to do now is I want you to walk in the Spirit and when you're attacked, I want you to know that you can stand firm. So Paul would write to the church at Ephesus and he would say, what you're wrestling against is not flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. And he said, here's what I want you to do. Ephesians 6, verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be what? Standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be able to fully, you'll be fully prepared. And in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and pray in the spirit at all times and every occasion. Now I just want to take a few pieces out of that passage for us this morning. Stand firm with confidence in God's word. Several years ago, I, I was part of a golf tournament, and I don't play golf very often, maybe once or twice a year, and actually it's been two years since I played now. And when I do play, I play for other people's entertainment. <laughs> so I, I was with a friend, and we were down at a tournament in Pittsburgh, one of the oldest golf clubs in Pittsburgh, and it rolling, there was no flat ground there, it's just, it's rolling everywhere. And, and so, not being one who plays a lot, I'm not, I'm not really aware of all the rules, so I, I drove the cart up. I know not to drive the cart on the green, but evidently I got too close to the apron of the green because as I pulled up, the marshal for the event came rolling up in his cart and he asked me this question. He said, do you have a handicap? Now, what he's asking me is, do you have a physical issue in your life that makes it so that you have to get close because you can't walk very far? 
I'm thinking he's saying, do you have a golfing handicap? I'm thinking, you've never seen me play, have you? I have a huge handicap. So I said, yeah, I got a big handicap. <laughs> and he says, okay, fine. I just got the word of authority to go into places that no one else is allowed to go. You're restricted. I got permission. Now, albeit that it, that it was a false confession, but I still got permission. When Paul says to Elymas, will you ne never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Will you not stop handicapping, really? Will you not stop handicapping the journey of people? I'll be the first one to tell you that the enemy has been successful at times in handicapping my journey. How do I overcome the handicap? Paul says, I want you to put on the belt of truth. The truth is, is the presence of Jesus and his word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he calls that, that scripture, the Holy Scripture, he says, this is the truth. So when the enemy says to me, you won't make it, when he says, that relationship's gonna break down, when he says, you're not gonna have enough finances, when he says, you know, you're a horrible sinner and God's not gonna want you, when he says those things, I have a way to get out of that handicap. I use the belt of truth because Jesus did the same thing when the enemy accused him. He said, whoa, it is written. It is written. It is written. The belt of truth is us understanding the Holy Scriptures and then speaking them. Whatever you're caught in right now and you're wondering if you're going to make it through, I encourage you to gather with others and say, help me find what the scripture says about this and then pray those scriptures and repeat those scriptures and say those scriptures and meditate on those scriptures and let those scriptures, which the scripture says itself, it's the breath of God, let it come inside of you. Breathe those things. Because the scriptures is what will protect you and guide you. Clark, come on up here. One of the amazing things about what's happening in Italy right now are the people who are finding a relationship with Jesus. So tell us about who those folks are, and then you have a, a couple stories to tell us about what Jesus is doing for these folks. We're seeing uh, an incredible movement amongst the Muslim people. Uh, Italy has received over 2 million Muslims in the last few years, and the Muslim community is great. And we saw a couple of years ago a few Muslims saved and they started attracting other Muslims. And it became a thing where every day we were having Muslim people come into our camp. Uh, we would offer them a meal and show them the film Jesus. Uh, then we would talk to them and pray with them. We were shocked how open they were to pray for salvation. We would invite them to spend the meeting and then the night. And uh, many of them now are part of our work. <laughs> our second language is Farsi. We just held a world ex-Muslim conference for a whole month. They moved into our camp, over 50 of them. And it was just incredible to see how God is moving amongst these people that just a few months ago had never even heard about Christianity in their own nations. A young man came to me last month. He hugged me and wept. He said he was uh, an ex-Taliban. 
that lived in the mountains of Afghanistan. And he shared a story that just ran goosebumps up my arms. He said, I was in bed. I was preparing with another uh, group to go down and attack some villages and uh, Americans. And he had blood all over his hands. He stayed, they executed people if they just thought they were contrary to them. He was broken and he wept and he hugged me. And he said that he was in bed and Jesus walked into his room. Goosebumps ran up my arms. When he said that, I thought, God really is real. <laughs> this man shared how Jesus spoke to him about what was the truth. And in that moment, his body became filled with the word of God. He had never heard of Jesus, Christianity, or a church, or a missionary, or anything. The next morning, he's telling all of his friends, he thought he was the first person that ever got converted in the whole world. <laughs> they tried to kill him immediately. He fled to Iran. They tried to kill him in Iran. He came to Italy as a refugee, and they tried to kill him in the refugee camp. This young man shares Jesus wherever he goes. Brothers and sisters, he wants to go back to Afghanistan and die for his faith. That's a passion in his heart and life. I was with him as he had, when just before I left, he had just gotten out of the hospital. They had tried to kill him again. He was just an inch from dying. They had tried to beat him to death. He was all uh, swollen and full of scars. And he said this, I was so honored to be beaten for Christ. He felt good. In myself, I felt convicted. Lord, where am I? All these people that have been coming through our camp and many of them staying, they all have the same incredible message, how God reached out and saved them. A young uh, Palestinian man, he was trained to strap on a vest in going to Israel and blow himself up. He was also working with another band of men to do the same thing. Never thought about Christ this young man woke up and had a vision in his sleep of Jesus. He went to his mullah, and the mullah told him that was the devil because you're about ready to give God great honor by blowing yourself up. And he thought, well, yes, that's probably the truth. And he went back to bed or went back home, went to bed, and the next night he had the same vision. And he said he felt in himself, this is the truth. And he went back to his mullah, and the mullah told him, 
boy, the devil's really after you. You're going to bring so much glory to God by blowing yourself up. This happened four times. He got so frustrated that he strapped himself in the bomb, said it, and he said, if this is truth that I'm experiencing, the bomb won't go off. He pressed it, and it didn't go off. He thought, well, maybe this is a coincidence. He reset it and pressed it again. <laughs> he reset it four times, and it wouldn't go off. He took off that vest. Brothers and sisters, the man goes to refugee camps all over sharing Jesus the truth. And God's doing a great work amongst the Muslim people. The second language in our team now is Farsi. And they make great labors. I'll finish with this. We just did a major street meeting. Over 25 ex-Muslims preaching the gospel in the center of Florence. Can you imagine these people that were Taliban, uh, Afghan Muslims, Iranians, Palestinians, and they're out there telling Italians they need to get saved. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Thank pray, you, Mark. Pray for us as this goes. Thanks, Mark. One of the things that fascinated me as I talked to Clark about this is that many of them, when this happens, the scriptures start coming into them even before they begin to reading the scriptures. It just starts coming, which, which strengthens them and holds them steady. And they spend all day worshiping and studying the scriptures because they know that's their strength. Let me just take you to the last point that I want to make this morning. When attacked, we can stand firm with the call of supremacy. When Paul the Apostle said, pray in the Spirit, he meant simply this. The Holy Spirit will help you zero in like a laser-guided rocket to what needs to be prayed for. But here's the deal. You, you can't launch a rocket unless it has a warhead if you're going to do any damage. And so if we, don't, if we don't have the power as we pray, then we're just simply a dud. And there's a whole difference between praying in Jesus and praying with Jesus' name. There were these, the, this priest who had seven sons who prayed with Jesus' name. They would say, in the name of, of Paul, Jesus whom Paul serves, this will happen. And at one point... The Spirit turned on them and said, Paul I know and Jesus I know. I don't have any idea who you are. And the, and the Spirit stripped them and beat them and they went out running, bleeding and, and cut. But when you walk in the Spirit, when you pray in the Spirit, you're able to do as, as Paul said. He said, I know what God wants and this is what's going to happen to you. I want to encourage you that this week, that you begin, if you have not done so, to, to be aware of what the Spirit of God wants to say in you and through you. When Dustin was, was six months old, he had a series of physical issues. And as a result of that, he ended up in the hospital with a high fever, and we thought we were going to lose him. We had a lot of people praying. And that's one of the things when you're, when you're attacking spiritual forces, you, you pray as community. Paul and Barnabas and John Mark and other believers together prayed. And so we had the community praying, and, and so one day I was driving to the hospital on the fifth day. And I said, Lord, if, if you want, if you want 
you can take him because here's the deal. I felt like I needed to submit to the Lord whatever he wanted to do because here's what the power is that we have. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi and said this, therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is of every, every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we pray in Jesus' name, there is this one who is supreme over all. And the enemy must yield to that. So if I'm going to pray, I said, Lord, I'm yielding to you. What is it you want with my child? If you want to take my son, I will give him to you. Now later, when he was in high school, I said, Lord, just take my son. <laughs> just take him. And I felt like the Lord said to me as I was trying to stay within the sphere of the spirit, because we're all novices at this stuff. I felt like God said, it's not me. I don't want to take your son. So then I felt emboldened and I said, you can't have my son. And I began to quote scripture and I began to say, you can't have him. In the name of Jesus, he will be healed. And I began to attack with the word of God and with a boldness. That afternoon, the fever broke. And within a day, he was out. We're novices at this. But some of our youth have already taken this call to begin to pray for people as they sense God is telling them and they'll find a sick friend and they'll pray for them and we've already had reports of miracles. So I want to encourage you this morning. The Holy Spirit surrounds you. He'll protect you. The Holy Spirit's in you. He will hold you steady. And the Holy Spirit's coming upon you and he wants to empower you and enlarge your heart that you are a million times bigger than you think you are. So I want you to take bold steps. I want you, when you see someone, as I sat at the restaurant, it was just this wonderful thing this week that I felt like the Holy Spirit was reaching out to this wonderful girl saying, tell her, tell her she's going to make it. Tell her with Jesus it's going to be okay. My reticence, my shyness just wants to say, Lord, use somebody else. But he wants to use us. And when you have opportunity, you see someone who is sick, someone who needs prayer, don't say, hey, you know, God bless you. Say, can I pray for you right here on aisle 13 in the middle of Giant Eagle? Can I do that for you? I want to challenge you today that when you leave this place, that you walk in the understanding of what we have sung, that you go with thankfulness. When I think about the Lord, how he, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he, he healed me to the uttermost. I want to shout hallelujah. Walk in that presence, and when you have opportunity, begin to pray because it will surprise you what God has done and will be doing. So would you stand? So how do we end this? I had this really cool idea, the band was gonna come back and sing and get you emotionally ready, but you don't need that. You've heard what I've said. And I believe right now, I'm a sensing a prophetic edge that God has so many of you already primed and ready to go. And if you'll just walk by faith and begin to pray for people and speak what Jesus puts in you and walk together with other community people, you're gonna to begin to see miracles because people in this region will not understand Jesus unless there's a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And we've got to see that. We've absolutely got to see it. So I want to release you into that now. May you leave here today 
walking in the Holy Spirit. May you have discernment as to what God is doing around you and may you have the courage to jump right in the middle of it and say, I'm available, I'm available, I'm available and may you see your prayers result in powerful movements and encounters. And above all, may Jesus be seen clearly. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.